Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A Through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today, I am talking to Janet Fugate, founder and author of the book, Bliss Beyond the Buzz. Welcome, Janet. How are you? Good. Good. I'm doing well. Thank you. You're welcome. I always ask an icebreaker question, but before I do, I wanted to read the description of your book because I found that it was so powerful when I was reading it. Over 50, overworked, and overweight, Janet was using alcohol to cope with her stressful life. She told herself, I wasn't drinking any more than anyone else around me. Our society encourages drinking. Although she had plenty of accomplishments and accolades, she knew there just had to be more. Having survived an abusive marriage, a battle with cancer, and more than her fair share of grief, Janet's quest for more turned into years of self-development, a radical lifestyle change, a, a new career, and finally ending another toxic relationship, alcohol. If you have felt trapped or think deep down there just has to be more to life stop putting yourself last janet says if i can do it you can do it she shares her system for keeping on track with a healthier happier lifestyle and offers ways to accept yourself imperfections and all i thought that was just so powerful because i think a lot of times we don't accept ourselves so i think that's great you hit that right on the head so i'm going to do our Icebreaker, and then we'll get right into it. You're stranded on a desert island. What three things do you hope to have with you? Well, I need water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for a, a sun hat, and then I'd really like to have some friends or family. I, I, yeah, is that fair? I don't know. Yeah. You asked me, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely the sun hat. <laughs> So tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background. So I am um, a registered nurse and I have worked in the health, worked in healthcare like my whole life, seems like. My first job out of high school was working for a physician's office. And then um, I went back to school and got my um, nursing degree. And then I went back and got my master's degree. And so I have been in healthcare administration uh, and did that for you know a long time. And what it's a it's a very stressful environment. Lots of you know work and lots of hours. Um, and one of the things I realized uh, during the pandemic, I lost my position, and I thought, man, do I want to keep doing this at 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 this point in my life? Um, you know, I think a lot of us reconsidered some of the things that we were thinking about doing or whatever in in our lives, the stress and just all of that. Um, but I, I realized that one of the things that I loved most about my position was being able to mentor people and, you know, build those cohesive teams and, you know, help people get where they wanted to be and, and coach them, basically. So I became a coach. Um, so, yeah, I've got a varied background, but I, I tell you, the last three and a half years, I've been alcohol free and I've just started stepping out of my comfort zone and doing some crazy things like being on a podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know. And it's never too late to do crazy things, right? Right. So share with us your abusive marriage story, if you don't mind. Ugh, yeah, it's. 
Um, you know, it's, I feel kind of like I was the frog in the pot. You know, I was um, 19 years old when I got married. I was so in love or in lust or whatever it was. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, you know, it seemed like I had probably already had self-esteem issues, body image issues and, and those kind of things. So it, it played easily into his control and he started putting me down and calling me names. And, you know, I thought, well, this is, you know, how it works. And then that vicious cycle of abuse and apologies and hope for better. And I, I, I honestly, you know, looking back, I don't even know how I survived all those years. Um, I think, again, you just kind of get into this situation. You're young and you, you know, are trying to make your marriage work and you, yeah. you keep thinking things are going to get better. They're going to get better. Um, and, you know, it wasn't, um, you just tolerate things and you don't even realize when you're in them, how looking back, I think, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it, but it kept escalating um, as some, you know, often it does. And then it was actually, I think I probably put up with things and did things until once my daughter was out of the house, um, I kind of started standing up for myself and I parallel, I was going through, you know, working and going to school and trying to better myself. So I think I started getting more self-esteem and, yeah. and so I started questioning some of those horrible things he was saying to me, you know, how can this be true? I'm, I'm an idiot, but yet I, I've got six, um, 600 employees, you know I mean? And right. I think I'm great. You know, so wait a minute, something's not adding up here. And you can't uh, be an idiot to be a nurse. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, it, it, it was those kind of things. And then the more I think he saw, he was losing control, the, the more he escalated. And as I started to, you know, fight back, things just got really out of control and I, I had to leave. So yeah. I had, you know, as I say in the book, I tried to leave several times. It was, you know, always met with, he was going to kill, kill us, kill himself. I mean, you know, yeah. all the things that people always do to keep control. Mm -hmm. And I believed everything I thought, yeah. you know, so anyway, it was, well, uh, those are some harsh threats. And so I think that I'm also been in domestic violence situations. I think that you don't want to tempt the devil to see if they'll make good on it. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. It is scary. And, you know, you're so beat down, you, you know, looking back, I was so beat down and I, you know, heard all these things and, and, you know, it's hard. And I, I, I just empathize and I would wish that anyone who is in an abusive situation now would think about getting out because, mm -hmm. you know, don't waste all your youth. Don't waste all these years. Um, there is so much more to life and you deserve, no one deserves to be hit or, cussed at or belittled, you know, you deserve, um, to live your best life. So, yeah, exactly. Cause we only get one. So how old were you when you started drinking? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I was, I, I was young, um, you know, in high school, I drank some and I, I didn't, then when I was married, I drank some, but it wasn't, there was a period I was in, in, um, a very strict church and I didn't drink for 10 years. Um, so I've kind of had an off and on relationship with alcohol. I think at, when I left, um, I think I replaced him with alcohol. It was kind of like the, oh, now I'm free. 
uh, and it was a crutch. It was, and then the things that would happen, I would think, oh yeah. And there was the partying and trying to feel like I, I was free for the first time pretty much yeah. in my life. Uh, and alcohol just became, you know, a good companion for me. I wasn't used to being alone. And um, yeah, so just, and then when my sister died, it, my drinking, you know, got worse. My, as my jobs got more and more stressful, you'd go home, have a glass of wine, you know, I've just, yeah. and, and I mean, I, I say I didn't in my, um, you know, when, what you read, I didn't, I didn't feel like I drank any more than anybody else, but what right. I realized was I was using it and it was numbing me and it was, couldn't be healthy to drink, you know, a couple glasses, two, three, four, even, you know, up to a bottle of wine a night. Um, even though I never had a DUI or never had any financial issues or any problems, I knew it wasn't healthy. Right. And, um, when my granddaughter, my first granddaughter was born, she started staying with me some, and I was like, oh my gosh, what if something happened to her at night? And I had to, could I drive? Yeah. Could I make a good decision? I mean, what kind of, you know, what, what kind of skill or, you know, what would I have in my mind at that point after I'd had three or four drinks? So it just became the other piece of my why, like, I really want to, I want to be around to see my grandbabies grow up, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I decided to take a break and I never, ever said, I'm going to quit. That was never my goal. I just wanted to take a break and kind of reset, you know, reduce my tolerance. But as I did, I started feeling so much better and I sleep better. Um, I, you know, it's just, there's millions of benefits. Yeah. So I said, why would I put it back in my life? I feel so much better without it. And so that's where I am today. Three, yeah. three and a half years. Nice. Four, yeah. So when you go out for like social situations and stuff and alcohol is around, does Anybody in your friend group where they used to drink with you now that you're sober, do they treat you a certain way or any differently? You know, it at first it was very uncomfortable. It's alcohol is one of the weirdest drugs because it wouldn't matter if you were if I was if I came on and said I was a cocaine addict or a heroin <laughs> addict or anything else my family and friends everybody would say oh yeah don't do it don't do it but the minute I say I'm gonna quit drinking they're like what don't <laughs> yeah you can just have one you know it's the only you know you wouldn't say hey just have one line you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? so, with with our society and alcohol, it is such an integrated part of our social life. You pretty much can't go anywhere without being, you know, asked. Or I heard a lady say the other day. She said, if someone says, "Hey, what?" Do, the waitress comes and asks what you want for to drink. If they if you say water, they say, "Are you sure I can't get you something else?" Well, you know, if you say wine, they're not going to say, "Well, you sure you don't want water?" I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's just interesting. So I think at first, my family, my friends, they didn't know what to think, because it was like, uh, who is this? I was the girl who was the drink pusher. I was the catalyst for the parties. I went, hey, let's do a round of shots. Hey, come on, let's get the second bottle of wine. I was always that one. Um, and so I found out when I quit, that 
my friends and family were like, is it okay to drink in front of you? Do we care? And it took a while for us to get our groove and to the point where it didn't bother me and they were, you know, comfortable, like whatever. So, but what I did realize, um, Nicole was that it, it's like, I think I was the catalyst of the drinking ah. <laughs> in my circles <laughs> because I don't think they drink nearly as much as ah. I, as they do, you know, as they yeah. did when I was drinking. So sorry. I'm, guys. <laughs> I'm guilty of that myself. Whenever I drink, I miss good fun. Oh, let's have fun. Let's keep drinking. Let's have some shots. Let's dance. Let's keep doing this. I'm always the one. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I've overdrank half my friends have overdrank and it's not good. <laughs> so I'm with you. Yeah. It's easy to do though. So, yeah. so now I'm at a place where, you know, I'm welcome. I, you know, you want to have a drink. That's fine. A lot of people have a different relationship with alcohol than I did. Mm-hmm. I tend to be an all or nothing kind of girl. And when I put my, put myself into something that, you know, I'm in a hundred percent. And unfortunately mm-hmm. that's kind of like how I was with drinking. I mean, I had every paraphernalia that you could possibly have. I had, the, you know, the wine cooler, I had the flip-flops, follow me, bring wine. I had the, you had me at Merlot shirt. I had it all. <laughs> uh, because it was just an integral part of my life. And I, you know, thought that I really just couldn't, I didn't think how I would want to live without it. Right. Um, but I think now people realize, and I think there's a new culture changing. I think the culture is changing. If you think about where we were with smoking back in the day. And I'm telling on myself now, but you know, that Winston tastes good, like cigarette should. I mean, you know, everybody smoked and they smoked on TV. They smoked in the hospitals. They smoked everywhere and no one thought anything about it. Flash forward to today. So that's within my lifetime and people, no one's smoking in the hospitals for sure. It's not advertised on TV and people are really kind of they still smoke, but it's, it's a definitely a different culture. Now, I think alcohol starting to, to take some turns as well. I think people Mm. are starting to say the new studies are coming out that instead of the 10 drinks a week, it's four instead of four. Now, maybe there's no safe amount of alcohol. I think as the, the, the pandemic did us a favor, so many people drank so much that our liver disease is rising and through the roof. Saying, yeah. Oh my gosh, what's happened? Well, it alcohol is not as safe as you all thought it was. We all thought mm-hmm. it was even it's, even though it's legal. Um, so I think society starting to question and, and you can look at the non-alcoholic drinks. I mean, they're going through the, there's so many different brands of non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic spirits. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of groups and people that have chosen it. So times are changing. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't think people will ever quit drinking and that's, that's fine. But I think that it shouldn't be a stigma not to drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, in the past, if you don't drink, what's wrong with you? Are you, or you're not fun? Like, or yeah, or you're boring, you're no fun. Yeah. Uh, So, so I hope that we can, you know, maybe change that, that you can have a good time and, 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 you know, the benefits that you get from, stopping drinking. I think that also influenced my, my friends and family because they were like, gosh, look at you. You look so much happier. You look so much healthier. You're, you have so much more energy. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Cause you're sleeping. I know when I was drinking, I would go to sleep and then four hours later, I, my brain is awake. My body is awake. And I was reading that that's because your body is metabolizing the alcohol while you're asleep. And then when it's done, it wakes you up. Yeah. yeah. It put, it put our, our brain sends those chemicals in and yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's so interesting how we think um, that, that wine or any kind of alcohol relaxes us and helps us sleep. Mm -hmm. It might put you to sleep for a few minutes, it doesn't give you a good night's sleep. So, yeah. Yeah. And since I've quit drinking, I sleep a lot better and people thought I had a facelift. Isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because you know, we, you, they sell all those cosmetics and all that stuff for, for women to try to make us look pretty and all that stuff. But you, you want to eye lift, you want some facial, uh, some skin changes, stop drinking for a little while and see what and happens. And drink water. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So simple, but it really does make a difference. When that lady said, did you get a facelift? I said, no girl, I've been sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, that'll do it too. <laughs> so what kind of drinker were you? I'm a binge drinker. Are you a social drinker, daily drinker, or binge drinker? I was definitely a daily. I had gotten to a daily drinker. I was, I was probably say a binge drinker in high school, you know, when it, or, you know, towards the end of high school when it was, on the weekends, drink as much as you could with your friends at the party. Uh, and then when I was probably a social drinker for a long period of time, and then it turned into a daily habit. Mm. It got, as I got older, it got to be, well, I'm stressed. I deserve this drink. And then once I started drinking at home, that was, it was, it was just a habit. I mean, it was a straight up habit. You get home from a stressful day, Oh, I need a glass of wine. And mm -hmm. you know, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's doing it. And you know, meet for drinks or, or like I said, a lot of times I would just drink the wine at home. So yeah, that was part of the problem that I knew that having, even if it's just one or two glasses at night, which most nights it was, it, it, you know, it could easily escalate into three or four, depending on the night. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And and I knew that it couldn't be healthy. I knew I could tell. And the other thing that happens is that I would make bad choices. So I wasn't able to keep my weight off. I wasn't able to meet my fitness goals. All the things that I had worked to try to change in my life, alcohol was making it more difficult. It mm -hmm. wasn't just the empty calories from drinking. It's the bad decisions. So after I have a couple of glasses of wine, guess what? I'm not going to the gym. <laughs> I right. don't feel like prepping meals and having broccoli <laughs> right. or the pizza, you know, so it, and then I don't sleep as well. So I want a carb breakfast. I mean, you know, it's the whole, it's not just one it yeah. alcohol, taking out alcohol helped me meet a lot of other goals and make things a lot easier for me. Uh, yeah. I had more energy to work out. i didn't, you know, I made the choice to get the, get the broccoli and chop up the veggies instead of order the pizza. So not every time, of course, but it's, it's much easier to meet your fitness goals and your uh, weight goals and all those things when you're not drinking. Mm -hmm. So for people who use drinking, like, oh, I just have a beer every day because I have a stressful job. How do they get past that rationalization and what can they use to calm themselves down from a hard day at work, aside from alcohol? 
Yeah. So, so I tell you, you, it's interesting because people, um, like I said earlier, a lot of people have a, a, a different relationship with alcohol and they can just take it or leave it. You know, they might have a drink. My husband tends to be like that. He's not a big drinker. He's drinks, but it's not every day. And if he doesn't have it, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the daily drinker, that's, you know, that's where it gets dangerous. Or if you're binging drinking like that, like you said, I think the, the biggest thing is to just look at your drinking and start making a change with your relationship with alcohol. So I think there's a lot of things that you can do to, I suggest that you take a break, even if it's a 28 day break, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day. I have a 90 day program that I do that is, you know, a lot of support and, um, and have daily emails for a while and some one-on-one coaching uh, to help get through those. I've, I give out the 101 things to do instead of drink. What yeah. you have to do is you have to break the habit. So yeah. even if it's, even if you break the physical habit and most people that I'm talking to, because I'm not an alcohol counselor or I'm not right. a, uh, if, you know, if you're dependent on alcohol and you get up and have to have it, I'm not the person who can help you. But if you're like right. me and you function every day, you just feel like you want to change your relationship with alcohol, that those are the people I'm talking to. And then I say, let's take a break, see how you feel. Uh, mm-hmm. and let's work through adding some different habits. Let's, you know, the witching hour, it's right after you get a, at dinner or it's right off five o'clock, dinner, somewhere. five o'clock somewhere. That's right. See, we all, we're all conditioned. We know you're supposed to be yeah. fine time. Wine is fine. Anytime we got a million of them. And so you, you need to break that association and do something different. So even if it means, you know, every day you go home and you pop up in that can of beer at five o'clock you can't be near your fridge at five o'clock right <laughs> you're something else out so there's so many other things to do but just setting that it takes like 21 days to break a ha- to break a habit but i i don't say do it in a vacuum i say put in some healthy things what are some things that you like to do do you like to exercise do you want to get out in nature do you you know what is it that you can do there's so many other things to do you'll be surprised how much time you have oh yeah just <laughs> sitting around drinking so yeah i would say to uh, make some changes like that make the commitment try to take a break for a period of time get through that tough part you'll start sleeping better in just about three or four days drink plenty of water um, you know, all those things to flush out your body and then break that habit, do something different, put something better for you in that habit. And a lot of people substitute AF, uh, alcohol-free uh, beers, and that's okay. I mean, people have different opinions about that. For me, I say, if you can get off alcohol, whatever you got to do, I don't care if it's a sugar pie, you know, I mean, right. <laughs> so it, it's probably not a healthy substitute to, to, um, you know, put a candy bar in place of your right here, but then you're on another addiction. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But at least you can, if you can break your cycle with something, I would, you know, best to do something healthy. Yeah. Especially as we grow older, because eventually our organs just can't take it. You know, it's hard to flush that stuff out back in the day. 
alcohol really was medicine. It was the medicine of back then. And like they always say, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And that's what we're seeing now. We overindulge and it's not good. It's just not good. Do you, do you have any family members that struggled with alcohol in the past? Like when you were growing up, is that like a, a in your family type thing? Yeah, my, my parents didn't, but, um, my dad's side of the family, he, his mom and his dad both drank quite a bit. They died young. One, one was, uh, his mom was 35 and his dad was 43. Um, so they both died young and then mm-hmm. both of his brothers became alcoholics. And so, um, and I think it, he chose not to drink as much because he saw all that. I think some people either do exactly what they don't want, you know, what their parents yeah. do. Other people, it makes them not want to do it at all. So I think I'm very thankful that he took that that route. Uh, but, you know, I do remember them saying, you know, now you've got that alcoholic gene, so don't drink, you know. <laughs> I think right. they were just going to scare me, but. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know about your family, but like in my family, a kid's birthday party, what you bring in? Alcohol. <laughs> it's, a, oh, yeah. it's a reason to party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what are some things you were dealing with in your life that increased your consumption? Just the loneliness or was there other things going on like through the separation and stuff like that that kind of made you kind of go, okay, I need a stress reliever? Yeah, you know, it was kind of gradual. I think that I think you know, at first it was just to numb the pain. It was a crazy time, uh, mm-hmm. restraining orders and court dates and, you know, things. Uh, and then, then it got to be comfortable because it was at home. And then, you know, there was, there were periods where, as, like I said, when I would get more and more stressful jobs that I used that, plus I was going out more now that I was quote single again. And, you know, right. I was, is going out more and everybody drinks. And so there was just a lot of alcohol flowing. Um, I think when I noticed the, the biggest change um, right before I quit was when my sister died. She was 50 years old and she died of uh, lung cancer. And mm. after she, I walked through that for 10 months with her, I drank a lot more because it, it, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of cumulative grief, but I talk about it in the book. And I think, you know, my mom died and she was my best friend. And I, I it was just such a devastating loss for me. And then I didn't think, you know, my sister here, she is, uh, you know, so many years later in the same boat, basically. And mm. I when she died, it was like the whole it felt like I was losing, I lost everything. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really hard. And, um, so I think that that was probably one of the bigger triggers. Grief for me has been a huge trigger over the Mm -hmm. years because if we don't deal with it, 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 it'll come out some way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, you think you have to be strong and you can't show that you're in the grieving process. And so it outlets itself. I've always attributed, I can tell success more than by what house you're living in or what car you're driving. I can walk into someone's house, see the bar in their home and know, damn, y'all must be successful because you drink (laughs) like fishes. (laughs) 
You know oh, what I mean? Now, now, you see, that's the, that's what we need to change, right? Because it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Be Just because we're successful and, 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 you know, we, we should be able to enjoy something other than just the drinks we yeah. need coping mechanisms we need ways yeah. to deal with our stress and i think that's been another thing that has really me because this self journey um self development journey that i've been on has taught me uh, after i gave up the alcohol the emotions did flood in the, the, the suppressed grief the PSTD, if you will, all the things that I had kind of probably been pushing down. Mm -hmm. And I started asking myself again, what, what is it that you want out of life? What do you want to do when you grow up, Janet? I'm going to be 60 years, this 60 years old this year. It's like, what do I want to do when I grow up? I, I start started with what I don't want to do. And really that's what I realized. I don't want to be unhealthy. Yeah. Don't want to be tied to a huge stressful job that consumes my life and I don't have any time for my family, my friends or self-care. It's not worth it to me. Yeah. So I've had to make some changes uh, in my life so that I could prioritize um, self-care and putting the things that I value in, in perspective. Because, you know, one of the things that I think is so unfortunate is we think if we, we talk about the five uh, regrets of the dying, right? And what do they always say? That they wish they wouldn't work so much. They wish they'd have spent more time with the family. They wish they would have let themselves be happy or all those things. And that don't wait, you know? Yeah. And that's what I think that that's what I think the message to me was when I finally stopped numbing was yes, Janet, life is fragile. We only get this one precious life and it's very fragile. My mom died at 59. My sister died at 50. What are you going to do? Yeah. You don't know how much longer you have. So you need to go for it and do what you want to do and stop putting yourself last. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is that as a society now, we put ourselves last. We put our families last because we're trying to chase that dollar. However, we were conditioned to work till you retire. And that's when you can relax. That's when you can enjoy life. But most of us pass away before we even reach retirement or at retirement. Mm -hmm. Then you miss your kids growing up. And I think that that guilt is probably a driving force because people in a more successful business background or any, you know, whatever they're gone. So now they have kids at home and they're guilty. And so they're pressing that down, pushing that down, pushing that down. And then they go home and they drink to kind of numb that. So what kind of healthy things can people kind of do to, I guess, outlet that you know what I mean? Outlet yeah. that guilt and outlet those emotions and, and to be able to say, okay, I need to do something different. I need to stop drinking. I can do this instead. What are some things that people can do to cope? Well, I think, you know, I think one thing they have to do is recognize it. And, yeah. and I think obviously we can't, we can't fix anything or even address anything until we start looking. And I would say, the most important thing that you, that anybody can do is to stop and say what's valuable to them. What is important to you? And make sure that what you do every day is supporting your value. Because mm -hmm. I bet if you 
talk to most people, they would say, oh, my health is so important. My kids are so important. My friends are so important. Okay, that's great. So now let's look at how you spend your day. And it's just what you said. You're working, you know, 16, 18 hours. You're sleep, you're drinking when you get home. You're sleeping, you're feel bad. I mean, is that supporting those values? Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing is a hard look at your values. Are you doing the things that you need to do to support your values and the things that matter most to you? Because life is short and mm-hmm. we don't know, no one's promised tomorrow. I the, I mentioned, and you talked about it uh, earlier, the pre-cans. So that's my little system. It's just a mnemonic that I came up with that helps me kind of keep my life prioritized and if I have, if I use this system and just keep a check on it, it seems to work for me. I don't know if it'll work for anyone else, but um, the P stands for purpose and passion. And you've got to keep what you want to do, what your goals, what your what your uh, values and what's important to you on the front. front. So that's what the P is. The R is rest recovery. I think we push ourselves way too hard. We go, go, go. It's just what you said. Who can get in the office first? Who can stay the latest? Who's answering emails at two o'clock in the morning? I mean, we all get brownie points for that. I mean, that's that, you know, that we've got to take time. Athletes take time and rest and recover. We our 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 mission and our goal in life is just as important as, as theirs. So rest, um, ease for exercise. We need to get out and exercise. I mean, move your body, find something that you love. It doesn't matter what, what it is. Maybe you're a yoga person. Maybe you're a walker. Maybe you, you talked about something fun to do to get out aggression. There's a pound class where you use these drumsticks and you beat on the floor. Oh Oh my God. It's so fun. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Yeah. Find your class, find something that you find an activity that you enjoy. So exercise connection. We need each other. You know, Mm -hmm. spend time with your family and friends. I know we got isolated in the pandemic. You know, go back and and start reaching out. Um, The A is for alcohol free. And of course, I'm going to say if you don't want to quit, at least try taking a break or cutting back and just see Mm -hmm. if it doesn't make a difference for you. The N is nutrition. What we put in our body is so important. I'm not going to promote this diet or that diet, but you know that junk food that we're eating and all that sugar and mm-hmm. all that processed foods is mm-hmm. not healthy. It's not, you can't run, you know, your equipment, your body on, on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so nutrition. And then finally sleep. Sleep is so important. And, you know, if you were to look at those seven things and they, they were all kind of in check and you're not going to be perfect every day. Some right. days it, it might, you, you didn't, you binge watch Netflix and <laughs> <laughs> we got three hours of sleep. You know, some days you ordered the pizza and had a bowl of ice cream, whatever. Yeah, but you're allowed, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, but when you look at it overall and you can keep those high and and focus on those, those are the things that help make you have a healthy, healthy, happy life. So yeah. that's kind of what I've been focusing on. Yeah. And a lot of what you're saying is, self-awareness for real, like being able to look inside yourself and say, what am I going to that alcohol for? Am I going there because I want to have a good time? And I think that's how I have to do it. 
And why do I think I have to do it that way? Or why do I drink every day? Because <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest thing too. I don't think we look at ourselves. We don't have time. This, this world is so full of noise with social media, devices, constantly having to work. You have to meet certain goals and financial obligations to make a life work, you know, but you don't. I don't know where we learned all that from, but you really don't if you scale a lot of things back. That is so true. I mean, when I, when I uh, left my, or, you know, job at the pandemic, I lost my job and it's like, oh my gosh, you go from this salary down to nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, hmm, well, the Amazon box has stopped going. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, okay, I didn't go to Starbucks and yeah. you know, I mean there are a lot of things that we can cut back. Yeah, so when you were cutting back cuz you lost your job, did you kind of sit back in it and go, "Man, I was wasting a lot of money at this place, that place, this place." Unfortunately, yeah, it was you know, and I try not to you can't go back, but sometimes right. I think about it and I think, gosh, if I'd have saved all that money that I spent on, you know. Oh girl, trust things. me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I do that. I'm like totally like, man. But at the time, yeah. Oh, I'll I'll charge it on this credit card and I'll pay it. I'll be good on the payments. And then some unforeseen, unfortunate event happens and then that doesn't happen. Yeah. I think yeah. we all do it. Yeah. We all do it. But I think that as I've gotten older, I started looking at things that I thought were important to me in my younger years, the keeping up with the Joneses type stuff, and was like, why did I think that was so important? Because honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Why would I want to work 20 hours out of a 24-hour period and not spend time with my kids? Right. And I, and I think, you know, I think taking that new um, look, that hard look at Am I doing things that support my values? Mm-hmm. What is my purpose and my passion in life? Is my passion to be a good mom, to be a good wife, to be a good, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, grandma, whatever. It's, is what, what is my passion in life? And if I say that that's what it is, but yet, like you said, I'm not spending any time with them. Is that, am I really supporting my passion or my goal? And, and I think it's hard because, you know, and I'm not saying everybody's going to go out and just quit their job and stay home with their kids. We all, you know, we all have to work. We have to do what we have to do. But I think, I hope that people younger than me will find this before they get, you know, my age. And when I do see younger people talking about lifestyle balance and those kind of things, it's encouraging to me mm-hmm. because uh, I do see that some some of the younger generation are thinking, "Wow, what? Why am I working?" You think mm-hmm. the t- tiny house uh, mm-hmm. movement. You think about people going back to basics and a lot a lot of changes. So there's definitely some hope for our society. I think it is social media is a really difficult uh, driver because mm-hmm. if you looked there, everybody looks like they are always on vacation. They're <laughs> always happy. They have everything in the world. <laughs> Pinterest perfect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then we sit and go, oh man, I'm doing it wrong. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and that is a huge 
huge thing that I had to work on and I still, you know, I still struggle with some is comparing myself. So when you compare yourself, you know, it said C.S. Lewis says the um, comparison is the thief of joy. It does take your joy away. When you start comparing yourself to others, you you start, oh, she's this, she's got that. They've, they're better. They've got more podcast views. They've got more social media likes. They've got, you know, all those things that we do to ourselves um, and not focus on what really matters. Yeah. And I was watching a program the other day and it was about um, the suicide rates in kids now. And they were kind of talking about the social media and it, it really is like a little drug hit. We're going on there. We're seeing the likes we're getting flooded with dopamine. And so that is also an addiction. And then when we don't get that dopamine hit, we're depressed. Yeah. And I can almost see that because I've even fallen into it myself. I was fairly older when social media started. And then, you know, when I would get those comments, I get excited like, oh, people care, (laughs) you know, and then as it's evolved, it's become what it's become. But for these young kids that have it, you know, they, they really take it to heart. What's being said to them, what is not being said to them. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's definitely interesting. What was the epiphany moment you decided to create bliss beyond the buzz? So it was uh, when after I had left uh, my job and I was I was kind of like, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? And I I knew that I didn't want to go back to working a traditional full time, um, stressful, high level management job. So I said, um, what do I like about what I do? You know what I did, and I do like being a nurse, and I do work part time as a nurse still. Um, but I was like, I, I I like to coach people. I like to help people find you know their path and and those things. And then part of me was I just really wanted to share what I had found. I feel mm-hmm. like I've got a superpower now, <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's not a secret. It, it but yet it seems like. I would have never dreamed or even thought to do it, but gosh, Hey, if you just quit drinking, think of all the things that you, you've just added to your toolbox. Now you've got better sleep. You feel better. You got more energy, you got more time, blah, 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 blah. You know, so it feels like a superpower. I said, I want to share that. So I decided to go ahead and start bliss beyond the buzz. And uh, it's kind of morphed and goes in a couple different directions. I go every Sunday, I do a FaceTime live um, and so a Facebook live. And so I get on and I talk about, you know, whatever. Last time, last week, it was about setting boundaries, saying no, taking care of yourself. Um, I've had different guests on. Uh, so I do that every Sunday. And then I've got a couple of programs that I'm um, working on. One of them is my 90 day uh alcohol program if you want to quit alcohol and then i'm also uh, i've also have a class about the pre-can so if you want to learn how to use that tool and see if it helps you and those kind of things so i'm growing it's it's one year uh friday it'll be one oh year. wow happy birthday yes, one year old <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you should have like a little cake Yeah, good. You're right. (laughs) So what are all the services that 
you offer in those programs for people? So, so for, um, I will offer one-on-one coaching. So for my 90 day program, it's, um, you get the first 30 days are a lot of handholding. So there's uh, daily emails, you get what app, WhatsApp support, um, and then a weekly one-on-one coaching. Um, mm. And then the next 30 days, it's just periodic check-ins, of course, accountability checks every week, every, daily at first, then weekly. Uh, and then every other week, there's a coaching session. Um, and then the 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 last 90 days is the same. So it's, a, you know, check it. So you're not alone. You've got right. support. And um, I've got, you know, if you like, if a client texts me or messages me and says, hey, I'm struggling with this, I usually can recommend, hey, look at this podcast, read this book, check out this, try this. We walk through it in the coaching sessions what's going to work for them because it's different for everybody. What, right. you know, my book tells what worked for me, but as I work with different clients, I realized, you know, they're not going to, this person's not going to like the pound class or this person's not going to want to go to hot yoga or this person, they're going to have to find what works for them. Right. Um, and their triggers are different and they're, they're, you know, and their whys are different. Why they want to quit is different. So, um, I think that that's, you know, that's one program. And then the, um, and the coaching is, is also just available for anyone. I have different clients who, um, nothing about alcohol at all. They just want to lose weight. Mm. They've been putting themselves last and they really want to work through some of this. Um, you know, what do I want to do when I grow up passion? And uh, you know, what coaching does is it actually gives people the space to think about these things. You mentioned earlier how busy we are and how much noise is in the world. People don't listen to each other anymore. No. And so having someone, and, and you know, every client that I've had comes to me and says, well, you know, I really shouldn't be coming and spending the time and the money on this, but you know, they're, they're like apologetic that they're spending time and money on themselves. Yeah. There's nothing better you can do for yourself. Not only that, but if you're better, you're a better employee, you're a better mom, you're a better wife. Yeah, you're showing up. You have to show up for yourself first. A lot of people think when you say, well, you have to think of yourself first. They think of selfishness automatically, but that's not true. No, self-care is not selfish. I mean, and if you cannot give from an empty cup, you just can't, you can't, there's nothing to give. So I think a lot of times that is where a lot of people start. They just want to come and, you know, have a couple sessions and just kind of figure out what they want out of life or what they're, what they're looking. And so I give them the space to where are you today? What's your stressors? What are your dreams? And, you know, a lot of people never sit and think, yeah, what do I want? I know I didn't for mm-hmm. years. I just pushed, pushed, pushed. I never stopped. I never asked the question, what, you know, what are my values? What is important to me? Am I living my day, day towards my vet? I never asked myself that. Um, so those, those things. So I think those are my main, um, the main yeah. things that I offer. I think that's wonderful because it helps if someone else is asking those questions. Cause I don't think unless you were asked that anyone would even consider what the answer would be. Right. Just like, Hey, did you ever think what you would do if you were deserted on a desert Island? <laughs> no, I Not <laughs> till today. 
right. <laughs> yeah. So can you share with us a client success story if, if you can? Yeah, I, I, one of my, um, I've, I've had some really great clients. I, you know, of course I love them all. I think they're all special, but, um, I had a lady, she was 75 years old and, um, she came and, you know, she, she had a pretty good life. It wasn't about alcohol at all, but, um, we worked through some of the, the things and she was really struggling to set boundaries and she was kind of had, she's been married for a long time and she was kind of doing a lot of things that she really didn't, you know, like, or want to do. She just kind of was in a rut. And she said, you know, I, I, I heard about you and I, you know, I, I, she was referred by a previous client and she said, and I just, I thought, well, I want to find out what, you know, what this is all about, you know? And so she said at the end of our, our sessions that we did together, she said, you know, Janet, you've given me such a gift. She said, you have given me permission to do the things I love. Oh, and I said that that had to be like such, I mean, that to me just, that's what yeah. I, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So you don't necessarily just work with people who want to quit drinking. There's yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of people that could come see you. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah, to as learn a matter to of love fact, themselves. yeah, that, that you're right. That's not, that's not my hundred percent focus. I really feel like, um, I'm not, again, I'm not an alcohol counselor or anything. I right. do think taking a break can help with a lot of the other issues. Yeah. Um, but if you, if alcohol is not an issue, then, Hey, let's go ahead and get started. What is it that you want? How do you want to be healthier? How do you want to live the rest of your life? Yeah. So. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, just because we wake up every day living and breathing doesn't mean we're living. Right. That's and so I think there are some people out there that have been just doing the routine for so long, they don't know. Now they're starting to see like, oh, I'm really not having an experience. I'm just a cog in the wheel, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes what I find is people finally come when they either have developed a drinking, a, an unhealthy drinking pattern, they've gained too much weight, Mm -hmm. They, you know, they've done something in their lives to cope with the treadmill and mm -hmm. that's when they come and say, oh, I'm just, you know, it's not a bad life. It's just a, um, busy, un, unthought, you, unaware, you're just mm -hmm. trying to get through day after day after day. And I honestly think that age, I, I tend to draw clients that are a little bit older, um, that, you know, in the second half of life, if you will, that, you know, have maybe been there and done that with their twenties. And <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, we, it, it, let's face it. It's a different, it's a different time in our lives. We yeah. have raised our children or, you know, at least we're on the tail end of that. And we have um, lived through a lot of things already. And none of us gets out of here without getting beat up. We've all had <laughs> tragedies and we've all had bad things happen to us. And I think the important part of that is no matter if it was an abusive um, relationship or whatever, that it's, I never, I don't see myself as a victim. I mean, right. especially when I, I hear people say, oh, you, you know, I don't think about it like that. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. it was bad, but at the end of the day, I am 
I'm focused on the future. I'm focused on, and I'm focused on moving forward. And you know, what do they say? Living a happy life is the best revenge or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I think that it's, it's, it's so important how we focus on um, what we tell ourselves. And that's another topic that I focus a lot with my clients on is what are you telling yourself? Are you mm -hmm. listening to negative tapes in your head? Mm -hmm. We've got to calm that inner critic, you know, the mm -hmm. one that says, oh, Janet, you're, no one's going to listen to you on that podcast. Oh, you sounded stupid. <laughs> you know, that, that, that one in your yeah. head. So we've got to stop that and feel the fear and do it anyway. We've got yeah. to We've got to change those old stories that keep us down, those negative beliefs, those self-limiting beliefs. We've got to change those stories into empowering beliefs that support us and serve us. Um, so I think that's another big part of my, my focus. And it goes right along with stopping drinking and being healthy yeah. and all those things. That's wonderful. So it sounds like your program is awesome. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So tell everybody where they can find your book and where they can find your classes. Okay. Yeah. So I am, uh, the book is in, am, at Amazon. It's finding bliss beyond the buzz. And, um, you, I would love for you to join me, uh, any Sunday on my Facebook again, bliss beyond the buzz. So pretty much bliss beyond the buzz everywhere. And then <laughs> on my website, there's a place for you. It's www.blissbeyondthebuzz.com that you can, um, actually contact me. Uh, my email is info at blissbeyondthebuzz.com. So if you can think of Bliss Beyond the Buzz, you can find me and see if I even got my Bliss Beyond the Buzz shirt. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. I didn't know you had swag. I love swag now. Got some swag today. Yes, I'll have so to check anyways. out your swag. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can uh, if you can find that and message me, I'll, I'll respond with um, different, you know, whatever. It's a free discovery call. 30 minutes. Let's talk. Let's see. Maybe, maybe I'm a good fit for you. Maybe I'm not. Um, but that, that calls free. Awesome. I'm going to put that all in the show notes too. So that way, if they, if we said it too fast, but I think we said it a lot, <laughs> maybe they can see it that way too. So can you tell us what life is like for you now past all the BS? What is yeah. it? What is a what is a day in the life of feel like now? I, you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, "Is this my real life?" I guess I have my grandbabies a lot. I do watch watch them this summer. I whew, I did a lot of that, and then you know I have to schedule my clients and and I do a lot of uh, class classes and work. But I am I do I practice what I preach. I make sure that I get sleep and that I work, you know, I exercise and do all the things uh, to take care of myself, including if it's a 30 minute nap or if it's a meditation or if it's just mm. a walk outside just to breathe. Um, you know, even even if you don't have a structured regular job doing doing a lot of these classes and, and doing listening to people with, you know, their their issues and stuff can be very draining. And so uh, making sure that I go out and, you know, breathe, yeah. dog, do whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with everybody? No. I Well, I would say that if you are thinking about. If you think that you might be drinking too much, 
you probably are. <laughs> yes. Amen. <laughs> because if you, you know, it's funny if you, if you were to Google, um, and I did a bunch trying to Google, well, you know, alcohol is good for you and how much wine and red wine and all those yes. things. You know, the internet, you can find anything that you want on the internet, <laughs> whatever position you take. Um, but if you have had that little seed of doubt in your mind and you're, you know, I think that's the other thing that stops people because they don't, I'm not an alcoholic. I wasn't yes. an alcoholic. You okay. don't have to be an alcoholic to want to quit drinking alcohol. So true. And so I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is take your break from alcohol drink your water, walk and take care of yourself. And I, I would love to hear from, um, hear from you guys and see what you think. I love it. Janet, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it. You're just so easy to talk to. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And you are too. If you like this and other episodes, please click subscribe, like, and share so others can enjoy them too. Thank you so much for listening.